0: Last week we started a series called Battle for Our Hearts. And what we are looking at are the idols in our culture that are battling for the throne of our hearts or at the very least that want to dethrone God or co-rule with God. What we saw last week is that an idol is anything that we love more than God, trust more than God, and obey more than God or any of the three. Uh, Last week we said that God is a jealous God, that our relationship with Him is just that. It's a relationship. And just like a husband and wife are jealous for each other, God is jealous for us. He loves us. He wants a relationship with us. And He wants to have us for eternity. And so today we come to our very first idol, and it's contained in this theme called king of the hill how many of you played king of the hill before i I grew up in illinois and so we had snow and i remember playing king of the hill with my sixth grade teacher mr gosdek Uh, our whole class at recess time would get on our snow gear and uh, go out to the snow piles and play king of the hill the game is simple for those who haven't played get to the top of the hill push everybody off the hill and maintain position at the top That is the game. The hill out here in the playground actually will work pretty good (laughs) for king of the hill. And everybody else who's at the bottom tries to do one thing, get to the top and push the top person off so then you can be the king. What I've realized is that that's not just a child's game. People in our culture play king of the hill. They want to be on top. And power looks different in all of our lives. What you would consider powerful, I might not consider powerful. But what I consider powerful, you might not consider powerful. But all of us want it. And so how do we identify this idol in our life? And how does God obliterate this idol and fill the desire that's in our hearts that we so desperately want filled? So what we're looking at is we look at Mark chapter 10 today. If you're new to the Bible or don't know much about the Bible, the Bible is one book made up of 66 books. Four of those books we call the Gospels. They're the biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're in Mark chapter 10 today. It's toward the end of Jesus' life. He's 33 years old. That's when he dies. And uh, he has an encounter with a man who has a question for him. You can follow along in your worship folder. It's also presented up on the screen. Here's what we're told. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Let's stop right there. This account is written for us in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And if we put all those together, we get a little bit better picture of who this man is. Uh, We hear that he's a rich man. He's a young man, and he's a ruler. He's a rich man. Young ruler. Think about those adjectives. He's rich. He's wealthy. He has means. He has the influence of a wealthy person. He has security. He doesn't have to worry about the future because he's got a bunch of wealth laid up for him. He's young. He's a prodigy. He's the businessman of the year. He's the next big thing. And he's a ruler, he's a CEO. He doesn't take orders, he gives orders. He doesn't serve, he is served. And he's a success. He's achieved a lot in his young age. He's checked multiple boxes, he's done what he's needed to do to get on top, and now he has one question for Jesus What must I do to inherit eternal life? Kind of an interesting phrase, isn't it? What's an inheritance? It's something given. Right? It's not earned, it's given. And yet what must I do to earn what is given? What's he want? He wants to know what checkbox he needs to do, what steps he needs to take so that he can hang the crown of life on his mantle of trophies. What must I do to add to my resume the inheritance God gives? Here's what Jesus says. Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus says, okay, hang on a second. Let's establish something. Why are you calling me good? Only one is good, and that is God alone. What's he telling this man? You think you're a good guy? There's only one who is good. It's God. And if you think that I'm a good teacher, if you're going to call me good, then you have to equate me with God, which is who Jesus was. And he said, you know the commandments. If you want to do the checklist, if you want to know your next steps, keep the commandments. And he lists, you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, do not defraud, do not dishonor, honor your father and mother. And how does he respond? Great news, teacher. Sigh of relief. I've done it. I've accomplished it. I've achieved it. Where's the crown of life so I can put it on my mantle? This is great news. I can add it to my resume. Jesus says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. We could add add another uh, adjective to this rich young man, couldn't we? He's apparently spiritual, too. Because at least outwardly, he keeps God's commands. He's moral, he's ethical. So not only is he moral, ethical, he's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. Honestly, he's probably every Jewish father and mother's dream for a son-in-law. He is moral. He's ethical. He's godly. He goes to the temple. He's wealthy. Their daughter's going to be taken care of. He's young. He's a ruler. People listen to him. This is a type of guy that parents want their daughter marrying. And yet, what does Jesus know about him? There's a battle going on right here. Right in his heart. He may have kept the rest of them, but Jesus says you haven't even got past the first commandment of you shall have no other gods. His possession, his wealth, was battling for the throne of his heart and kicking God off the throne. And so Jesus puts himself right up in front. He says, here's the God that's on your heart right now. It's wealth and possessions. Here's me. You choose. You choose. What does he pick? At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Which, if we just take that verse just for that. Never do this, but let's just, for this sake, pluck that out of context. Which, never do. You never read the Bible and pluck a verse out of context. But let's just read that line. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What? (laughs) Who goes away sad because they had great wealth? I've never met anyone who would walk away sad because they had great wealth. Who does? The one who loves his money so much that Jesus says, Me or eternal life, and he picked his wealth. That's who. You see what Jesus what's happening here is this, and it's your first point this morning. He was a rich young ruler, but Jesus invited him to be a poor young servant. Jesus said, The idol in your heart is power, young man. Power through your wealth. Power through your status. Power through your position. Pick one. Me or it. And he chose it. He loved his money. He loved his status. He loved everything that came with it. He trusted it for value, for worth. And so he obeyed it. He took the hand of his wealth and possession and let the idol walk him away from Jesus. If he gave it all up, what would he be giving up? Status. His reputation in society. He'd be giving up his position of ruler. No longer would he rule, he would be a servant. He gave up his security. No longer would he have all the security knowing that the future would be okay, not because God is on his throne, but because his bank account is large enough. He'd give all of that up, and he loved it too much. Jesus said, me or it, and he chose it. He chose the power that this world and money has to offer. Now, here's what I don't want you to think. That Jesus is saying to you, you have to leave here today, sell everything, give it all to the poor, and follow him. This is to one man that Jesus saw into his heart and this was the application for him. In fact, this is the only time in Scripture where Jesus says to someone specifically, give it all up and come follow me. Give up your wealth and your possessions and come follow me. This is the only time. Other people did it, but it was motivated by the gospel. So what is the application for us? Well, let's play the what-if game. To know if the idol of power is on the throne of our hearts, let's play what if. What if Jesus said, Give up blank? Could you? Would you? What if Jesus said, Give up your status? Give up your position or your status in society. Give up your status in what you find value in. What if he asked you to give up your position? Give up those letters in front of your name, doctor, CEO, CFO, pastor, principal, teacher. Could you? What if like the rich young man, he said, give up your possessions. Give up the ranches. Give up the beach houses, give up the boats, give up the the high-priced cars? What if he said, give up the designer clothes? What if he said, give up the business that you started from scratch? Could you? Would you? And maybe the most difficult one, what if he said, cash in the 401k, cash in your retirement, give it all to the poor, and come and follow Me, Would you? The answer to that question reveals whether the idol of power through wealth, through status, through position is sitting on the throne of your heart. What makes this one so dangerous? It's the promises that this idol whispers to us. It whispers to us that it's going to fulfill the status that we so desperately want. It's going to fulfill our worth. It's going to give us value. It fulfills security. And you know what? It does for a little while. It does for a little while. But everyone who plays king of the hill, everyone who works to play king of the hill in this world, always ends up like the rich man, the rich young ruler, disappointed. Everyone who tries to climb the king of the hill for power, for wealth, ends up tired, burdened, anxious, worried. And all, every single one walks away disappointed, if not before It will happen on our deathbed as we realize that all of that can't save me now. So, where's the hope? What if we are ones that have been climbing up the wrong hill? What if we've been following the idols of power up the wrong hill to be the wrong king? Where's the hope? Where do we turn? a phrase that Jesus said, and I don't know if we caught it, Jesus looked at him and loved him, and Jesus looks at you and me, and he loves us, and he says, come, follow me, And, and we turn from the idol, we turn from that hill, and we follow Jesus, and where does Jesus lead us? Up another hill but this hill already has a king and three crosses. And in the middle one is where our Savior Jesus hangs. It's the middle one that our Savior Jesus goes up and mounts. He doesn't go up to mount a throne. He goes up to mount a cross. He doesn't lead us up a a hill of power. He leads us up a hill of weakness. He doesn't lead us up a hill of glory, but a hill of shame. And there, at the top of that hill, we see our king crucified. We see our king die. And through his death, he brings eternal riches to you and me. He brings the riches of forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness for all the times we climbed up the wrong hill. He brings us the riches of peace knowing that we have peace with God, peace of eternal life. He brings us the the eternal riches of hope that no matter what happens in this life, rich or poor, we have heaven to look forward to in the end. Not because of our works, but because of His. He brings us the eternal riches of heaven. And it's because we are eternally rich that he also brings us eternal power. And that's your last point this morning. Jesus brings us eternal riches that bring eternal power. We said earlier in the, in the service that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you know the grace, the undeserved love of Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus had all the riches of heaven. He had all the power as He sat on the throne. And yet He gave it all up. He gave it all up for you and me. Jesus was the ultimate rich young ruler who became the ultimate poor young servant. Jesus gave up all His riches to take on human flesh like us, to become poor, to serve you and me, so that through him and his life, death, and resurrection, we have all the riches of heaven. And now those riches, those eternal riches, bring you and me eternal power. You have an eternal status of being a child of God bought with the blood of Jesus. You have worth that isn't connected to your net worth but connected to the God of this world who thought and believes and knows that you are worth not gold and silver but the price of his son's own blood. That's a worth and value that can't be taken from you. You have a position, an eternal position where you're going to eat forever at the table of your God. You have status power, and influence. You get to influence people's lives for eternity as you tell them about their Savior, as you tell them about the forgiveness of sins won by Him, through Him, and the eternal life that we have to look forward to. You have everything and more. And so the idol of power, it will whisper to you. But those whispers will lead to a dead end. But our Savior leads us up a hill where we gain the eternal riches of heaven. Wealth that money can't buy. Power that money can't purchase. And it's for eternity. And so if you're looking to break the power or the idol of power in your life, the idol of money, status, position, climb up the hill of Calvary again and again and again. Bow at the cross of Jesus and look to see your worth. Look to see the eternal riches that he's won for you. Look to see the power that he's given you through your status and position through him and the influence that he gives you, that you get to influence people for eternity. May God bless you as you grow in him. May God bless you as you climb that hill again and again where you'll never be wearied or burdened, but you will find rest, peace, hope, and the eternal riches of forgiveness of sins and peace with God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise and thank you for sending your son Jesus to forgive us all of our sins. We thank you that he loves us so much, that you love us so much, that he gave up the riches of heaven, the ruling power, and he became a servant for us. So that through him, we become rich with the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. Help us to find our worth our status, our position, and our riches in Him. Uh, The riches and wealth of this life, the power of this world will fade and end, but the power of eternal life lasts forever. Help us to uh, love Jesus, and Jesus continue to rule our hearts now and forever. We ask all this in His name. Amen.